0: What's up guys, Dragon Nation News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. And we're going to do a solo edition of the podcast today. We couldn't get anyone else on, so I figured... I promised I'd get a podcast out every week, and I apologize for not getting one out last week. We actually had recorded that podcast on Sunday evening, and when I put the audio in the editor, it just completely disappeared, and I could not find the audio anymore, so I apologize for that. It is really frustrating because we recorded like a good 40-minute podcast, and I didn't want to waste anybody else's time by bringing them back on again, so I figured, let's just wait until this week, and we'll start. And we have a couple of real games that actually matter to break down today, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So the first game of the week is obviously against the Los Angeles Lakers, and James Harden looked amazing to start the game off, like a mini version of Steve Nash, nine assists in the first quarter, which was just amazing. Uh, Basketball, Twitter was freaking out, and the Rockets offense looked awesome. It was clicking on all cylinders, um, and they were they just couldn't miss shots and they just looked really really well in that first quarter and that first half in general james harden was facilitating the basketball like crazy and i think he had like 12 or 13 assists at the halftime which was just stupid and there was some talk about james harden possibly making breaking the scott styles assist in a game record and you know obviously that didn't happen but um yeah, he, he, he was really well to start the game, facilitating the basketball left and right. And what I really liked about this was James was giving the ball off in the beginning of the offense. And that is something he did not do at all in his tenure in Houston, um, just giving the basketball right away and you know, moving. And the, that's something we talked about in the off season on this podcast, um, was whether or not James Harden could do that. And he did. He did. And it, it looked really it looked like James Harden and Mike D'Antoni. Like it feels like they're, it's a match made in heaven. And you know we we debated the the D'Antoni hire when it happened. And uh, you know I, I asked this during the game. Like is is it possible that D'Antoni and Harden were just met for each other? Like this, maybe this was the right hire all along. If we were gonna unlock this this part of James Harden's game, this amazing facilitating part of James Harden games um, and just highlighting it and making James the point guard right away. Like, was that the right hire from the start? Um, I'm not ready to go there yet. Like I still think the Rockets should have went after a disciplinarian, but maybe I was wrong. You know, I- I'm willing to entertain it now because he looks really good in this offense and D'Antoni knows exactly what to do with him. And, um, This just feels like a role he was made for. Like, these guys are just meant to play with each other. D'Antoni and Harden, this is just... It feels right. And um, this game reflected that, uh, especially the first half particularly. Uh, Some notes, the first wing to check in was KJ McDaniels. And, you know, that, that was surprising to me because he checked in over Corey Brewer and to me that was a improvement it was subtle but it was very very significant in terms of having the best wing uh, the wing that's impressed the most in the preseason come off your bench in the preseason and you know KJ did not finish the game with more minutes than Corey Brewer um D'Antoni leaned on Brewer a little bit more than, than KJ but it, it it was progress that you know he was trusted to come off the bench right away um and yeah it, it it's it's just something of note um and yeah James Arden was just ridiculous in this game you know I was in the middle of the game and I was just like laughing at how good he looked in this offense some other notable things Tyler Ennis did not look good in this game Tyler Ennis I remember there was a possession where he, there was he, he was dribbling baseline, and if you ever played basketball before, if you ever like played organized basketball, you're you're taught especially if you're a point guard, you should know this. Do not dribble into a baseline. That's just it's just so stupid. He uh, so Tyler Ennis, backup point guard for the Rockets, dribbled into the baseline. He got trapped, and he made he made the pass. He turned the ball over, and um yeah, this is this is the guy the Rockets trusted over Pablo prigioni Pablo prigioni was cut. So the Rockets could keep Tyler Ennis, and you know, at the time of this game, like I, I, and even still today, like there is legitimate questions as as to whether that was the right decision. Like I. Preferred the steady hand that Pablo Pergione gave you. Pablo Bajoni gave you steady minutes off the bench. He was a guy who could dribble, not turn it over, uh, semi-run the offense, but he, somebody who could just dribble in the, and bring the ball up and something. And that's uh, you know just a steady someone you could trust. You know, and that sounds very old school, very old timey. Saying that it sounds very weird uh, because normally I, I, I'm I'm all in on the upside guy, but you know Tyler Ennis just did not did not look very good in the preseason and. To earn a spot over Paolo Brigioni was very bizarre to me, but yeah, um, he was not very good in this game, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mask that at all. And yeah, something else notable from the game: Trevor Riza. I saw him die for a loose ball during the middle of the game, and that was that stuck out to me like significantly because that showed to me that he actually gives a damn this year. Like he gives a damn about this basketball team this year and that that's something that you couldn't say last year. He checked out very early in the season and he stopped caring. He stopped playing defense. He stopped going after those loose balls. He, st- he stopped trying to get those steals and he he dove for a, um a steal this game. And you know, it it's very minor, but these are the little things you know you start to notice when you're evaluating the character of this team and whether these guys actually give a damn because you know last year this team did not give a damn. And um you know and and stuff like that was very encouraging to see, um, and I'm, I'm checking right now, and James Harden had 14 assists at the half, and that was tied for John Lucas's record. Um, absolutely insane. Uh, John Lucas uh, f- obviously set the franchise record for the Rockets, and yeah, and you know, this MVP race, it's going to be very, very interesting this year. Um, my pick is still Kawhi, but I'm very, very interested. If you noticed, as soon as the season started, all these superstars just completely went off. Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, James Harden—all these guys completely went off to start the regular season, and it's going to be interesting. This MVP race—I'm—I'm I'm going to venture that's going to go to the to the most winning candidate. And right as of this moment, it, it seems like that's going to be Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs, and and or. LeBron James and the Cavaliers, obviously, but I, like, I'm leaning towards Kawhi. I think he's going to make that next leap, but still, I think Harden has a chance this year for it. There's still a lot of talk about him possibly leading the league in assists and points this year, which I, I think is ridiculous. Like A lot of the national media is saying this, and I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think James Harden's not going to score as many points as he did last year uh, in terms of a per-game basis. Um, you know, I, I was talking about this with Paul on an earlier podcast. Uh, Paul, aka at Rocket Intellect on Twitter, um, and we were and we were de- debating uh, what kind of stat line we could see from Harden. And I'm kind of backing off the 30 points per game thing because I think I think Harden's probably going to focus his attention more on getting assists this year. And I don't think James Harden's going to play as many minutes this year because I think uh, having Gordon' Gordon's going to reduce the load on on how much playmaking he's going to have to do this year. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. The MVP race is going to be as interesting as it's ever been this year. And yeah, some other things from this game, Nene played a lot. Uh, He played 23 minutes this game, or 22 minutes this game, and he was a minus 10. He did not look good this game. And D'Antoni trusted him in crunch time minutes over Clint Capella, and that really, really bothered me, because I think think Clint Capella has earned that crunch time spot over Nene, and I think he played better in this game. Uh, Clint Capella was a plus 12, Nene was a minus 10, and... Yeah, and I I think the focus should be to play Nene as much, as po- not Nene to play as Clint Capella as much as possible with James Harden because I think this it maximizes both their their strengths uh, to play in the pick and roll together. And I think um just Clint Capella is just a lot better when he plays with Harden when he's on the floor with him. And I think Nene could destroy second units, and I think that should be really his goal this year. But yeah, a lot of exciting stuff from KJ, a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff from Harden, and. The Rockets were just very bad defensively in this game, especially in transition. In transition, they were terrible. Um, and Ryan Anderson, man, like, like, I, I know Ryan Anderson's like possibly one of the worst power forward defenders in the league. Uh, we had Kelly Scaletta on earlier this summer to discuss Ryan Anderson, and Ryan Anderson, he's a hell of a shooter, but. God, this guy's really bad on defense. And that's not because of a lack of effort, man. This, his, his, feet are, his feet are just way too slow. His lateral quickness is just not there to be a good defender. Or even an average defender, he's terrible. Um, He causes a lot of breakdowns. And this bench unit did not look good in this Los Angeles-Lakers game. The Rockets need Demo. The Rockets badly need Demo and Beverly back. Uh, the depth of the bench without Beverly and Demo, particularly um, the bench unit, isn't going to have Beverly in there. But having Beverly start pushes Eric Gordon back to the bench unit. And in this game, I think they badly needed Eric Gordon on the bench unit or or Demo because this bench unit did not have any playmaking this game, and it showed. Um, yeah, so the big story: the Rockets were really bad in the glass. Really, they, they got they got out rebounded by the Lakers, which was uh quite frankly pretty embarrassing and towards the end of the game it was very frustrating watches watching Julius Randle get offensive rebounds and just throw it up and get like really flukish buckets it, it was really frustrating to watch you had to watch the game um he was getting a lot off he was getting offensive rebounds towards the end of the game because the Rockets could not get a defensive board and he would just throw throw something up at the rim and it would go in and it was it was so stupid and the Lakers, the Lakers ended up um, getting the league lead in the fourth quarter and winning by four points. It was not encouraging. It scared the living hell out of me. This game, I'll admit, it scared the living hell out of me. And big takeaways from this game. The Rockets badly need some bench depth, and that starts with getting Patrick Beverly back on the floor and inserting him to the starting lineup so Eric Gordon can move to the bench unit because... Putting Eric Gordon on that bench unit is it's going to dramatically increase his production and staggering Harden and Gordon is going to be really really beneficial to the Rockets long term offensively and I think having Demo possibly come back is going to is going to benefit them although I'm not I'm not looking I'm not too optimistic on on both sides of getting a deal done uh, I'm not trusting on Demo's agent it seems like he values Demo more than um, most NBA teams because nobody's offered him a contract um and also another takeaway from this game the Rockets Valley need to improve on the defensive glass also another takeaway Mike D'Antoni has some weird fetish with Nene and I don't know what it is but he seems to play Nene in crunch time a lot more than Clint Capella and I just don't think that's right I think Clint Capella needs to be out there in crunch time with James Harden as much as possible because both players benefit from being on the court together because they're such good pick and roll partners um and yeah it's it's weird I, I don't know what what, what it is with Nene, but I guess he's a veteran and, uh, you know, coaches tend, tend to trust their veterans more than their young guys. But, yeah, and there seems to be uh, some talk about Clint Capella's conditioning and that's why um, they're limiting his minutes to around 25 minutes per game. So, yeah, it, that's something to look out for. And something that got tweeted at me very, very frequently this weekend, like around four or five times, um, is Nene the new Corey Brewer. God, I hope not. God, I hope not. Um, thankfully, Nene is much, much better than Corey Brewer. But in terms of overplaying Nene, I hope that's not the case this year. We still have a long season left, so we'll see how this works out. I-, I think Clint Capella is slowly earning the trust of Mike D'Antoni because Nene's minutes are being dropped a little bit, and it seems like Mike D'Antoni is doing the right thing with Clint Capella. But we'll see. We'll see how this goes coming in, in the coming weeks. But this game scared the living hell out of me. This loss to Lakers because particularly how bad the Rockets were defensively. Uh, they were just awful in transition and in the half court. They weren't great either. They could not stop D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson. They, you know, the those two guards just feasted on the Rockets. And um, that starts with James Harden and and Air Gordon. And that's something they they needed to step up on. And I think they did in the, in the, in the next game, but yeah, it, it was very much a concern, especially the, the defensive glass, because if the rock, if you can't get defensive boards, man, you're not going to win games in the NBA, no matter how damn good your offense is, because you need defensive boards to get to stop possessions, and if the other team is just getting nonstop offensive rebounds and just scoring on you, you're not going to be able to be, you're not going to be able to outscore them, you're not going to be able to outscore them and win games. Also, I was kind of concerned as to how the Rockets would bounce back from this game because last year's Rockets team, as soon as they faced adversity, they'd crawl up into a ball and go on a losing streak. And that's something I tweeted out on Twitter, and um, a lot of you agreed with that. Last year's Rockets team just did not have a spine. (laughs) And um, they, you know, the first sign of adversity, they, you know, crumble up into a little ball. And I was worried that might happen next game. And I I really... I know it sounds like an overstatement being the second game of the year but i th- I considered that game in in Dallas to be a must win because to me it was a it was a gut check time it was a gut check time for Houston to see whether or not this team was different from last year as far as uh character wise uh persona wise you know do these guys actually have a spine this year you know does this team does this team actually have some backbone can this team take a loss and not just completely crumble and you know and, and keep the train going and it seems like that's the case that, that, that they're fine they're fine and I, I I might have overreacted which I'll be the first to admit I, I was wrong and I'm happy I was wrong I'm happy that this team seems to bounce back from adversity much better than that last year's team uh, that's a testament to the coaching staff. That's a testament to the players taking a step up this year. So yeah, game two against the Mavericks in Dallas. Uh, first couple get plays of the game. Uh, Andrew Bogut tried to take advantage of a young, of a much younger, thinner Clint Capella, and it did not work. Uh, one of the possessions was actually an air ball. Um, and yeah, Capella has a thin frame, but he can guard bulky post post defenders this year, which was something I was concerned about last year. Uh, which I don't think he he was able to maintain guys like that last year. And um, I think the weight and strength he's put on uh, is helping him defend guys like that. And yeah, it, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. Also, something that concerned me in this game, uh, the first couple possessions, the first couple offensive possessions were used for Trevor Reza fadeaway post-ups. And that's something Trevor Ariza should just not be doing. At all. Like, I don't even need to elaborate on it. Just stop. Just stop. Don't do it. That's very inefficient. Not only for you, but for most NBA players. Stop doing it. And in a Mike D'Antoni offense, I was very surprised to see that. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping this is not a thing because I saw it in the Lakers game once and I saw it in this game twice. I'm hoping it's not a thing. But, yeah, it may have been that the Lakers were switching and Trevor Ariza was trying to take advantage of a of a you know, a smaller guard, but still, just stop, don't do that, stop, don't do that, don't, don't, let's not see that again, Rockets Twitter does not want to see it, I don't want to see it, it's not a good basketball play, don't do that, Um, some other things from this game, the offense did not look as good in this game as it had in that Lakers game to start the game, Uh, James Harden was not facilitating the same way he had in that Lakers game, Um and you can you can't do that every game obviously Harden can't get like 17 assists a game every night but um yeah he, he he did play well uh he started off the game very slow um and the offense accordingly was very slow Corey Brewer was missed a couple bad layups and it was very frustrating I wanted to break my TV um and Tyler Ennis surprisingly enough he had a good game he he had a good game he did not do anything stupid. Uh, he did not turn the ball over. He um fas- he he did a good deal of facilitating for a backup point guard, and he, he played well. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your credit, Tyler Ennis. I'm gonna give you your credit. You you, impre- you you know you played like crap in that first game, and I'm gonna call you out on it. But this game you played well, and you deserve to get your credit for it. Uh, job well done, job well done. And again, I would love more than anything to be wrong about Tyler Ennis. I want him to prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Tyler Ernest, that you're actually you have the capability to be, to be a good backup point guard in this league. And yeah, i I, I'm, I think I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Also, in the second half of this game, Harden went absolutely berserk. Um, he like to start the game, he was obviously not shooting the ball particularly well, but in the second half, he went just crazy, especially from the three point line. He hit like three three pointers in a row um, in the third quarter. Uh, he had a, he has some nice floaters, and did that surprised me. I, does James Harden have a floater this year? If he does, I'm excited. Um, because James Harden was not very good at floaters last year, but if he has, if he added that to his game, I mean, I'm in. I want to see James Harden expand his offensive repertoire as good as it, as it is right now. And he he just went into complete screw it mode. He just went into complete screw it. I'm taking over the offense, and that's just the most fun James Harden to watch. Um, yeah, he went bonkers. And Trevor Ariza, Trevor Ariza was really, really good in this game. Uh, 27 points, 8 of 12 from the field, 5 of 7 from the three-point line, four rebounds, plus 7 in terms of plus-minus. He was really, really good. Give him his credit. And on defense, he was really spectacular. He was dabbing for loose balls again. And I think Trevor Ariza gives a damn this year. And Matt Moore wrote about it uh, in a Rockets piece today. I think... Trevor Ariza is reinvigorated and that's what Matt Moore was writing in this column and I and I agree with him. I think I think under Mike D'Antoni it seems like he's having a rebirth because last year he was absolutely terrible. And this year he's he's trying hard on defense, he's trying um he's shooting better on offense. And let's hope this lasts. Let's hope this lasts. Obviously the shooting is unsustainable, but the defense certainly can be and the hustle can be. And also James Harden was good defensively in this game. He was hustling. Uh, he did miss a couple of closeouts, and he did have a couple of slip-ups, but for the most part, he was hustling on defense, and I was happy to see that. The offense, and also the offense was not going to crap when Harden was on the bench, and that's a big, big takeaway for me. If the offense can stay good when James Harden sits, that's just a huge positive, and I'm glad I'm glad uh, in this game... It, it seemed like Mike D'Antoni did not need Harden as much, and he rest. He he opted to rest Harden towards the end of the game, and I like that decision because you don't want to be playing him thirty eight plus minutes a night. Contrary to what JBB might tell you, you can't be playing Harden this much, and uh, you know, he only ended the game with thirty five minutes, which is I, I guess is fair. And I think I think I think with Beverly out, uh, you you have to. Find your opportunities to rest them during the game, and I, and I like how the Rockets to Mike D'Antoni took some time to rest Harden in, in the fourth quarter before putting him back into it to, to ice off the game. So yeah, the Rockets were solid all around. They were much better in transition defense this game. Um, Nene was much better. KJ was really really good, um, and just defensively they were fine. They were they were, they were much better than they were in Dallas, in Los Angeles. They weren't world leaders. Like they certainly weren't. Performing at a high level defensively, but they're performing well enough to win this game. Uh, offensively, they were they were good, and I, and I, I think uh, that first game scared me to a fault. Like I, I think I overreacted that first game because they did make a lot of key mistakes. And um, so it's not to excuse that first game that you can't excuse that how bad losing to the, the Los Angeles Lakers, one of the first teams in the NBA. But hey. So yeah, the Rockets were solid all around. I, I think I probably overreacted from that first game, but it scared me. You, you anybody in that position, you have to admit after watching last year's Rockets team, that that first game smelled of last year's Rockets team, and it scared the living hell out of me. And I'm glad uh, they they were able to put it together defensively this game. Uh, Mike D'Antoni actually praised Jeff Bzdelik in the press con in the post game press conference. And yeah, it, it, they played much, they got a solid win over the over the Dallas Mavericks in, in Dallas, and now they play Dallas tomorrow night. Uh, when you're listening to this, it'll be tonight in Houston, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to get another win here, although I, I, Rick Carlisle is very good at in-game adjustments, and they'll have a, a night to look at film, so it's going to be an entertaining game. I think I think it'll be a lot closer than what people anticipate, so yeah, good, good win over the Dallas Mavericks. And the Rockets are now 1-1 to start the season. So the second half of this podcast is going to be devoted to the James Harden trade. And we are two days removed at the time of this recording from the James Harden trade taking place. The James Harden trade happened October twenty seventh, 2012. And um, very famous trade. Probably one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Not only franchise history for the Rockets, but NBA history. We're going to be talking about the James Harden trade for years and years and years. For a multitude of reasons, we're going to be talking about it from the Rockets angle, we're going to be talking about it from the Oklahoma City Thunder angle, and how that impacted the franchise. And we're we're going to be talking about this forever. There's going to be books, there's going to be documentaries, there's going to be 30 for 30s on this trade. This trade was absolutely monumental uh, for both sides, and it was just insane. So this offseason is going to be known forever as the summer James Harden was traded to the Rockets, right? And that's going to be what it's going to be known for when we look back at this summer in 20 30 40 years, right? That that's going to be what the summer is known for. I'm going to recognize the summer of 2012 as a summer Daryl Morey lost his mind. And I'm going to have to center this podcast, but it was just so fascinating to watch Daryl Morey operate with his back against the wall this summer because Let's make this clear. Daryl Morey was absolutely on a chopping block this summer. Um, his job was very much on the line. The local radio was absolutely killing him. There were there was whispers of, you know, ownership being unhappy of, you know, the direction of the franchise just being on this constant treadmill. Um, and, yeah, Leslie Alexander was a competitive guy. I mean, he still is a competitive guy, and he wanted this team to acquire a superstar, and he wanted this, this team to also... Consequently, not tank, and that made it very difficult for Daryl to do his job. Um, and his hand, his hands are kind of tied behind his back. But he managed to do it by over the years doing these these minor trades. Like like looking back at it, like it's just it's it's very interesting. Looking at the like as I said, as I said there's going to be books written on the James Horn trade from the Daryl Moore angle as well because. You know, James Daryl Moore used to do these ninety-five cents for dollar trades, like all the time. He used to just trade these. You know, I'm going to give you three quarters; you give me a dollar back. All like he used to do these trades all the time, every summer, and nobody really blinked an eye. And what was really happening here was, you know, he was flipping and flipping and flipping and getting better assets and better assets and better assets. And it, at the time, it, it you know, watching it at a micro level, it's very hard to recognize this is what he was doing, but. When you look back at it, that's absolutely what he was doing. He was just flipping picks, flipping players, uh, getting better picks, better players over and over and over again until he found the right combination of players to land him a superstar. And again, nobody in the fan base, like it became pretty known that the Rockets had a, a huge pile of assets by the fan base and the national media at a certain point. At this during the summer, that that's when it became evidently known. But the summers prior, nobody knew what the hell Darrow was doing, you know, and he got scrutinized like crazy by the radio, uh, you know. And I remember at this time, I still listened to the sports radio, and you know, particularly 610 and 790 here in Houston, and those guys were absolutely killing him, uh, specifically 610. Those guys were. Um, I think this is when when Josh Ennis was still on the radio in Houston. Um, I'm not particularly sure. I, th- I think it was Josh Ennis, and there was actually one interview. It might have been with Josh Ennis, where Daryl Morey and Josh got into a, a huge argument over. You know, Josh was like, "You're not doing any, anything with this with this freaking franchise, right? You, you're not doing anything. You, like, we're going into this year with Jeremy Lin as our best player, um, and." Basically, we're not winning a championship this year. You need to stop acting like you're increasing our odds of winning a championship. Because Daryl always used to have this line like, "We do everything in our power to increase our chances of winning a championship." You know, that's his signature line, and I, I, I'm sure that's what he's trying to do. But it, you know, as a, from a fan base perspective, and and from and the local radio guys, um, it's it's frustrating to hear that over again. It's frustrating, especially when you're not getting results. And I'll be honest, at this time, I. I I wanted Darrow to get fired I wanted I, I did not trust him more. I, I I didn't think he was you know a very good general manager at this time uh, I, I thought he was a little bit overrated and I, I did not understand what made him such a genius and this summer is what really turned me uh, not for the not just for the James Arrade but just the sheer collection of assets and how aggressive he was going after these guys you know the Rockets were in trade rumors for everybody. And that, that starts with, you know, Dwight Howard, Andrew Bynum, Tyreek Evans, everybody. And James Harden, although the, there was a rumor, I remember, of James Harden being talked about, shopped with the Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets. And I saw that rumor, and I, I kind of did not pay any attention to it, because at the time, again, J- James Harden was not James, the James Harden we you know today. And, um... You know he was not a superstar. He he was looked at as a possibly maybe if he got his own team maybe he'd be an all star. But I mean the thought of him having his own team. I mean he he just came off a six man of the year award. Like let's just lower our role here, right? He was. I mean essentially, if you look at him now, um, I guess the best comparison for him would be. I guess the best comparison for him would probably be Lou Williams from the Lakers and a much better Lou Williams. I immediately say that right off the bat. Lou Williams, his six man of the year, uh, year much better, much more efficient, much better at getting the basket, much better three point shooter. So that's the best comparison I could think of off the top of my head. That's what he was thought of at the time. He was just a Lou Williams, right? He, he was a very, very good six man, not much more than that. And he was, you know, part of the 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 Thunder's big four, I guess. The um, you know, Sergi at the time was considered in that big four. Um, it was Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and you know, Serge Baca. and so the Thunder had some financial financial decisions they had to make. Um, they were essentially choosing uh, because of the way the salary cap was structured, you know, the Thunder did not want to. They wanted to avoid the, the the repeater tax, the repeater luxury tax, and to, in order to do that, they had to choose between Sergi Baca and James Harden, and they they chose they they chose Serge Ibaka right to keep him, and. Um, You know, it's going to be debated for years and years on end whether or not that was the right decision. I understand what Sam Presti was trying to do. In my opinion, um, Serge Ibaka was such a big part of that Thunder team, and um, you could make the argument that, you know, he he was more important in terms of an impact standpoint, um, impacting the defense and offense, than James Harden, I guess. You know, it'd be a very... Loose argument, but I, I think that argument could be made because how good Serge Ibaka was back then—he was legitimately a defensive player of the year candidate year in and year out. Um, he's he's since declined a little bit, but we have to realize just how good Serge Ibaka was back then, and that was the choice that the under were making, and they were they were trying to avoid the the repeater tax again. The um the way the salary cap was structured, coming off of LeBron's free agency, you know, the NBA did not want these super teams to you know form. In order to do that, they came up with the luxury tax uh, and the repeater tax, and that really penalized teams like the Thunder, who had these onslaughts of talent. So they had these, they had this huge assemblance of talent, um, and uh, they it was a small market, and they basically could not afford to pay all these guys, and so that's the reason they traded uh, Sir James Harden uh, along with the multitude of other things. I, I think. Uh, guys, uh, somebody like Royce Young would probably be a better, you know, somebody better to discuss this from, in terms of the Thunder perspective, but that's essentially what they were trying to do. They were trying to avoid the repeater tax. And again, this was the summer Daryl Morey lost his (laughs) mind. And I say that because the moves he made, like I'm looking at the transactions from that summer. Okay. okay, So here were the free agents that, that, that year, the players that were on the Rockets that became free agents, Earl Boykins, Marcus Camby, Goran Dragic, who the Rockets really wanted to keep, um, and Courtney Lee, and the the Rockets really wanted to keep Goran Dragic, but I, I think the debate was over a guaranteed year. It was like it was a very no, it was over a, t- a t- player option. Goran Dragic wanted a player option in his contract, and at the time the Rockets just did not do player options. They they were they were all about team flexibility. If you wanted an option on your contract, it was going to be a team option, and um. That was not going to fly with the Rockets. So, and I, I think that I think that's what it was about until so Goran Dragic left, and um, also that summer, Deniz Montiunas and Terrence Jones signed multi-year deals with the Rockets, um, and the Rockets uh, withdrew their their qualifying offer to Courtney Lee. There's a whole bunch of transactions the Rockets made. Kyle Lowry was traded uh, to the Raptors in exchange for Gary Forbes and a first-round draft pick uh, that Toronto owned. Um, and in a in a trade exception and um Marcus Camby um they they got Marcus Camby for Tony Douglas, Josh Halton, um Jerome Jordan a 24 a 2014 12 uh, second round draft pick that New York owned and a 2015 second round draft pick. So they were making all these trades and also uh one of the bigger trades that they made not the the bigger moves that they made was they signed Jeremy Lin to a 3 year Restricted free agent offer sheet, right? That they 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 gave him a twenty-one million dollar deal over three years, um, and it was a balloon payment in the second and third years. And so his contract was not a straight up seven million dollars per year contract. It it exploded in the last two years. And the way New York was structured, uh, New York's salary cap, they could not afford to pay him that much money because of how the amount of cap. Uh, the amount of tax these guys would have to pay, it was really debated as to whether or not James Dolan was willing to pay this kind of contract to Jeremy Lin and and deal with that luxury tax. And, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like, uh, in the beginning, it seemed like James Dolan would, would match any contract offer because that's what they told it, Jeremy Lin coming into Rich Secretary Agency. And the Rockets took their bluff and they gave him this ridiculous payment um, with the balloon payment obviously being... The kicker and it made it very very hard for the new york new york knicks to match and they they didn't match and so jeremy lynn became a houston rocket and at the time probably the best player on the team i don't think that's a stretch to say considering chandler parsons hadn't come into his own so jeremy lynn was your best player going into 20 2012 right the 2012 season Perhaps Kevin Martin, but it was basically Jeremy Lynn, right? And the, the Rockets amnestyed Luis Scola, which really told told you that, that they were they were in for something. They were they were they were trying to make a big move. They were clear, they were clearing cap, salary cap space, and um, they were trying to basically trade for a big free agent. And they traded, uh, they made some other big trades that summer. They traded Courtney Lee for a few draft picks. I can't exactly remember what draft picks they were, but I I believe it was a second-round draft pick or a late first-round draft pick, and that that was essentially what the Rockets had. The Rockets had uh, three first-round draft picks, right? So they went ahead and and drafted Royce White, Jeremy Lamb, and Terrence Jones, and Jeremy Lamb just balled out in the Summer League, and same with Royce White and... um, you know these guys really really increased their trade value in summer league and like Jeremy Lamb was looked at like like I'm not kidding in in on the rockets forums and stuff and you know if you look on clutch fans forums from 2012 Like, people were comparing, like, it was very stupid. Like, I wasn't ready to make these comparisons. Like, people were comparing him to, like, the second coming of Tracy McGrady, right? The next great shooting guard that the Rockets were going to have and build around. Like, Jeremy Lamb was looked at as, like, a really, really, he was like a stud, right? Like, everybody loved Jeremy Lamb. And it was assumed that any trade the Rockets made for a superstar this summer, it, w- it would revolve around Jeremy Lamb and uh, probably Kevin Martin, right? That that, that was going to be um, the package you were going to give up um, for a superstar. And so the Rockets got into, um, the Rockets had these three these three um, free agents, they had, I mean these three draft picks, they had Royce Wright, they had, they had Jeremy Lamb, and they had um, Terrence Jones, and they impressed in the summer league, and that, was basically a showcase for their trade assets, right? And teams around the league started to take notice, and the Rockets started to become major players in the Dwight Howard sweepstakes. And this was a big story in the summer of twenty twelve. Dwight Howard was one at the time, still considered one of the best five players in the NBA. And um, to to make to make a move for him was a big time, big time move. Um, he was the best there in the NBA by a long shot. Um, he was out. He was out that year with I think I think he was out with the back, and um, and so yeah, it was really awkward that summer with Dwight. Uh, he had the interview with Stan Van Gundy. Uh, everybody remembers that at You know, Stan Van Gundy has the die coke in his hands, and uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, I mean, no, he's asked about Dwight Howard demanding he be fired, and. Um, he he, he flat-out admits, yeah, he he, he wants to be fired. And Dwight Howard walks in, and it becomes a really awkward situation. Everybody remembers how that video kind of went viral at that time. And, yeah, Dwight Howard wanted out of Orlando. And it was very apparent that he wanted to either go to Brooklyn, Los Angeles, or Atlanta. Those were the three places he wanted to go to. No ifs, ands, or buts. And teams outside of that list were not going to get a very good shot at make at getting a deal done because Dwight was basically throwing his weight around and the Rockets were still aggressive after after Dwight. Um even after uh the the that that list his agent I think Dan Fagan his I think Dan Fagan was his agent at the time and he leaked the list of um destinations that he'd want to go to and the Rockets did not make that list, and it really disappointed a lot of Rockets fans. But surprisingly, the Rockets still went after him with with much aggression, and um and uh, you know it, was, it became a real argument on on Rockets um forums, right? Because at the time, you know, Twitter was not as big as it is now. It, it was still very, very, it was still pretty big, but it wasn't as big as it is now, was flush with Rockets fans, right? So where you argued your your little your debates was the Clutch fans forums. That's why Clutch fans is like the most well-respected Rockets blog in all of Rockets Twitter. And so, yeah, that that's that's where all the debates went down. And there was legitimate debate as to whether or not the Rockets should trade for Dwight Howard or Andrew Bynum. Because, of course, Andrew Bynum was also on the trade market that year. Um, and he was definitely getting dealt. Like, he, he was out of there. And same with Dwight. Those guys wanted to leave their situations And Andrew Biden minded his own team. Dwight wanted a better situation. And um, yeah, those guys were throwing their weight around like crazy. And, you know, the big discussion on Rockets forums were like, you know, what should we go after? Right. And Dwight was clearly the better player, but he did not want to come here. And with him becoming a free agent the following year, it was like whether or not you were able to keep him. Right. Like if you traded for him would you be able to keep him? And that was a big question as far as um, on the, on the, on the forums, right? Like that was the big tip t- topic. And, I, and everybody, I think the vast majority of Rockets fans preferred Andrew Bynum for the, for that reason, because by all indications, he, he would probably resign with the Rockets if they had, if they had traded for him. And, I think Dwight Howard went out and flat out like leaked that he would not resign with the Rockets if they had trade for him, and so e- even with all that going going on, they still were active in the Dwight Howard for sweepstakes, and eventually, Dwight was traded to Los Angeles, and this was a huge bummer. because I think this trade involved Andrew Bynum and the Sixers, and um, or, or no, the, the Lakers might have doubted Andrew Bynum to the Sixers beforehand, and so. Yeah, it, it created a lot, a lot of negativity towards Daryl Morey and the organization because this was supposed to be the summer the Rockets got a deal, got a superstar. And this was supposed to be the summer Daryl Morey got the job done and flipped those assets for an actual tangible superstar. And there was a lot of heat from the, from the Rockets fan base and local radio. And I, and I cannot stress enough how big local radio was in the 2012 media market for the Rockets. Because this was basically where the Rockets, where Rockets fans got their most, most of their news and most of their opinions on the Rockets. Because at at the time there was no, I mean, Twitter was around. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it seem as, as though Twitter was not around, but the, like I was not on Twitter. Um, A lot of fans weren't on Twitter. Um, Facebook was definitely a thing. And so there was, there were Facebook pages, but there was no, Central place where Rockets can Rockets fans could get their opinions from, and um, it it was basically from local radio where you got your twenty four seven Rockets you know uh, trade updates because that's where the rock a lot of fans got their updates from. That's where I got my news from. That's where I got my you know I I got I was signed up for the text line from I think Sports Talk seven ninety. They'd send you a text if anything ever happened to Rockets, and um, that that's basically how I, I received all my news I, i'd get a text about oh uh, dwight howard's agent leaks uh x y and z are his preferred destinations I, i'd get a text um about the rockets being interested in, in andrew bynum i'd get a text about them being interested in Tyreke Evans you, you'd get a text from these local radio stations uh with with your news and that's where i got a lot of my news i paid i listened to a lot of local radio and i'm ashamed to say that now because i'm not the biggest fan of local radio nowadays but um yeah, I listened to a lot of local radio, a lot of local sports radio back then, and I listened to a lot of um, 610. And those guys were killing Daryl Morey for not getting a deal done with Andrew Bynum and Dwight Howard. And it was it was basically, you know, those guys were basically running Morey out of town. And this was basic; it was basically assumed after this summer, Morey was out of there. Like he was, there was no way in hell Morey was going to retain his job after the summer of 2012. Um, like in the summer of 2013, it was basically, it, it was, per, it was like a foregone conclusion that Mori was going to be fired. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, man. You can, you can look back, um, at that time, you can look back at articles on, on the, the amount of heat he had. You can look back uh, at the forums. His, he was, his rope was done. Like he, he had reached the end of his rope. And, um, and at the time I was not a big fan of Darren Maury. Again, I, I, I did not buy into this analytics model. I did not buy into, um... Uh, the way he constructed teams and he came from that Danny Ainge of school of um, flipping assets for superstars right like flipping 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 and then getting good enough assets to trade for superstars and so that's basically where he got the influence Uh, that's basically where he got the idea of trading Harden right trading for a superstar and eventually turning that superstar into into James Harden and so I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and fast forward to when the trade actually happened so so we're going into preseason and the season with the idea that your roster is going to be Jeremy Lin, Kevin Martin, Omar Asik, Chandler Parsons, who was not very, who was not proven to be as good as he eventually ended up being at the time. Um, you know, like no, nobody had a strong opinion on Chandler Parsons at the time. Omar Asik, Jeremy Lin, and um, you know, Kevin Martin. Those were your biggest free agent signees, Kevin uh jeremy lynn and omar ashik those were your guys that that's who that's who you got the deal done with this summer and again this was supposed to be the summer Jeremy. uh that daryl Morey got a superstar and he walked out of there with jeremy lynn and omar ashik so understandably the fan base was absolutely pissed and and there was a lot of talk about how this team is probably going to tank like the like, this was like this was supposed to be like this the year Leslie Alexander and the organization finally tanks to get a first round draft pick. Uh, and remember they tried to trade in the first round to get Andre Drummond that summer also with the with their collection of assets. Again, they were so desperate for that superstar, and they believed Andre Drummond was going to be that superstar. They were all in on tanking. It, it seemed like they were going to tank this year, finally tank this year, or ride that train of mediocrity. So it's October twenty seventh. Preseason's over. And the roster is basically set in stone, right? You can make trades, but it seems like the Rockets are gonna, are done. Like, they're done making moves. They got Jeremy Lynn, they got Omar Ashik. And, you know, they have their young collection of talent in Jeremy Lamb, Royce White, and, um, and Terrence Jones. And they're going to roll, roll the season. They're, they're going to start the season off. Um, and they're probably going to do what they always do and probably finish, you know, 38 to 40 wins. Try to make the playoffs, right? That that's essentially the Rockets' fate. Possibly tank, like that was a theory that was thrown out a lot. Um, yeah, and it's basically there's there's not much optimism going into this season. It's basically the same old stuff we get every year, and the Rockets had not landed their superstar, right? And this is one of those moments in Rockets franchise history where you absolutely remember where you were when this happened, and NBA history too, because this is a major, major trade in NBA history. So I'm at a gym in Houston, and I'm finishing up my workout. And as I'm leaving the gym, I get a text alert from the local radio station because I remember this is where I got my all my Rockets news from, right? Because I wasn't on Twitter and I wasn't I wasn't getting my news from there. I was getting my news from basically local radio stations. They texted you the alerts, and I got an alert that the Houston Rockets had traded for James Harden, and this was a huge surprise to me because, and they they traded. All basically, essentially, all the assets that were, they were going to trade for Dwight Howard and Andrew Bynum, and this was like, and I was absolutely dumbfounded because, you know, James Harden was an unproven at the time. He was not a, he was not a bona fide All Star. He was a Sixth Man of the Year candidate. I mean, he he won Sixth Man of the Year. Granted, he was he a lot of, a lot of people viewed him as somebody who could potentially have his own team one day, Um but that was a, in nerdy basketball Twitter land, right? This is this is where. I wasn't part of that. I wasn't a part of nerdy basketball Twitter at that time. I, I, I did not share that opinion. I was not on Twitter. I was not, you know, a part of that. And so they basically blew all their assets on James Harden, and this this sparked a lot of controversy because again they traded Jeremy Lamb. This is, this is supposed to be their their. Their future star, I right? Like a lot of fans viewed him as the next best shooting guard, like for the Rockets, right? Uh, whether he'd live up to it or not, he's um, th- that's basically what Jeremy Lin was viewed at. He was their best asset. Kevin Martin, who was probably gonna be their best scorer this year, a conditional first round pe- draft pick, uh, Toronto owned a twenty twelve twenty thirteen second round draft pick, Charlotte owned, and a conditional twenty twelve first round draft pick, and a tr- and a um, a TPE and the rockets got back Cole Aldrich, Daquan Quick, Laser Hayward. And uh James Harden, of course. Uh <laughs> uh and yeah, this was this was big. This was big and at the time I didn't know how to feel about it. I I remember uh James Harden being good enough to make the team USA squad. So I kind of assumed he'd be an All-Star caliber player. I did not assume he'd be, you know, what he is now I, I I will not lie to you and say I had any idea he'd become this good but I thought he'd be a you know a fringe all-star player I thought he'd be an all-star player you know probably make the all-star team maybe not this year but next year with some development and um, boy was I wrong uh, you know James Arden started off the season going crazy those first two games teams didn't know how to defend him and because of that he just went off and he had, he had a chip on his shoulder. He had something to prove that, yes, I am this good. Yes, I do deserve this max extension that I that the Rockets just gave me. And, you know, Daryl Morey came out and said, this is our guy. This is our franchise guy. And the rest is history. And, again, this is one of those moments in Rockets history where you absolutely remember where you were when this happened. And this is one of those things that changes the course of NBA history. It changes it. You know Kevin Durant is probably it might still be in Oklahoma City if you know James Harden had never gotten traded right and they pro- they might have won a championship by now I'm not gonna say they, they will because you know you, you can never never say they put pre- you, you, you can never have absolutes in the NBA right and yeah it's it completely changed the dynamic of the Houston Rockets because they finally had their superstar and now and they made the Western Conference finals again, you know two years ago they have a lot of success under James Arden. And, yeah, it's a big, big day in Rockets history. And I felt it was necessary to have a podcast on it. And more than anything, I'd love to have a sit-down and interview with Daryl Morey and him be candid about about this one day because Daryl Morey, I swear to God, he only had like two hours of sleep this, this, this entire summer because he was just going crazy with the amount of moves he was making, the amount of transactions he was making. Um, like, his back was against the <laughs> wall, and he had to make a move, and this was, he, he'll never admit it, but he was absolutely on the hot seat that summer, he was absolutely on the hot seat that summer, if he had not gotten this thing, if he had not gotten a superstar traded, and eventually, the Rockets, you know, they, James Horn ends up being an all-star that year, I think he was first team on NBA that same, that first year, and, um, the Rocket, and he makes the, all, the all-star team, obviously um and the Rockets land Dwight Howard the next year and yeah the rest is history and major 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 major, major day in franchise history and i felt it was necessary to have a, por- a portion of the podcast dedicated to it um it looks like it's going to be <laughs> probably a good chunk probably the majority of the podcast but the first half is going to be dedicated to the to the game breakdowns for this week and yeah Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Give us a good rating on iTunes. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Give us five stars. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, um, give us five stars anyways, because that's just the right thing to do. All right, guys, good night.